How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are locked on Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me tonight is my good friend, Frank Madden. Frank, how are you doing? The NBA is on fire, Eric. Uh, it is it is 9.32 Central Time on, what, Tuesday night? Yep. And uh, there have been a flurry of fascinating moves <laughs> today. And I feel like when by the time we're done with this podcast... Um, there will be another like two or three crazy moves, and man, the NBA does the off season well, does it not? Uh, it's insane. It is absolutely insane. There is not an off season. This is just crazy. I, I mean, I was worried about, I was about about rumors and thinking about things that could possibly happen, and uh, I mean, this afternoon I was thinking about uh, the report from Vincent Goodwill that the. <laughs> that the Celtics turned down number three straight up for Jimmy Butler. Um, like, that was what I was thinking about. That can't be true. That can't be true, can it? I can't imagine it is, but <laughs> that seems crazy. It's, it's not like Vincent Goodwill is just, like, a random blogger. Like, he's one of the most respected journalists in the country. And um, so, yeah, it was – again, I was thinking about that, and then in the last three hours – a bunch of things have happened. So uh, I've moved from topic to topic, just kind of with my mind blown. Um, and do you want to talk about some of those first uh, before what? we, we get into, uh, we'll, we're going to talk a little bit Bucks draft because by the time this gets published on Wednesday morning, well, we'll be about 24 hours away from draft day. And, and that seems significant and seems like something we should talk about. Yeah, maybe let's talk about a couple of them, especially because um, I, I know, especially, you know, so so probably the, I guess the big ones today, uh, D'Angelo Russell um, traded to Brooklyn um, for effectively, well, D'Angelo Russell and Timo Mozgov's horrible, Tim, horrible, horrible Tim contract. Tim Mozgov. Tim Mozgov. That, oh. that is what Woj tweeted out. He is now Tim Mozgov. Tim Mozgov? Yep. Okay. I, I prefer Timo's just a cooler name. But, uh, but yeah, anyway, Mozgov's bad contract. Uh, you know, just one year ago at 1201 uh, Eastern time, the Lakers were rushing to offer him. What was it? Was it $64 million or something yep. to that effect over four years? Um, now he now they basically had to use D'Angelo Russell, uh, the former second overall pick uh, to get rid of that contract. And in return, I mean, they they got some stuff for him. Right. Um, was it the 27th pick, I believe? And uh, Brooke Lopez uh, came back from uh brooklyn i believe so yep um that's the way they I understand got it. they got some stuff brooke lopez can do things as a good player obviously um not necessarily a guy that's a super long-term piece i would assume but um but he's obviously still a, a very capable player became a stretch guy last year shooting a bunch of threes as the bucks saw and they pick up one of those uh, another late first round picks i think the the lakers now own the 27th and 28th picks in addition to, of course, the second pick. And I think what's so fascinating about all these moves as well is because so many of these moves are, it's not just the move, but it's the move to make the next move. And there's just been so much chatter about, you know, teams like the Lakers potentially making moves in order to set up moves for, especially in in LA's case, Paul George. Um, And and interestingly, you know, a lot of talk, you know, yesterday, Paul George, uh, kind of issuing his demand or or at least letting it be known that, that he is leaving Indiana. Um, and you know, all assumptions are that he will end up in LA or wants to go to LA. Uh, and so if interesting now that there's enough competition as we were discussing, there kind of needs to be, you know, you have to have some of these teams that are pretty good that have assets, like presumably a Boston or somebody like that, um, get in here to maybe drive up the price and, and maybe give a team like LA second thoughts out like, well, maybe we can't just wait for him. Right. If he ends up, um, in a winning situation, then, then maybe, you know, Paul George 
doesn't leave wherever he ends up, if it's Cleveland or wherever it might be. So so that was an interesting move. Um, D'Angelo Russell and our friend Ben Thompson, I think, had an interesting tweet. Um, and ben was making the point because I think, you know, through the Bucks lens, I, I know I saw a few people asking, like, well, should the Bucks have tried to make a play for D'Angelo Russell? And I can certainly understand sort of the, the idea of of trying to take a shot on a former second overall pick who, you know, plays a position of need since he's, you know, a combo guard. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I'll let you go first. Like when that trade was announced, did you sit back and think, man, I wish the Bucks would have would have made a serious play for that move for the for for D'Angelo Russell? Um, I'm not a big D'Angelo Russell guy, so that is that has been something that has been in my mentions for a while now because D'Angelo Russell rumor, rumors have been there and and existed. So I've seen a number of those um, tweeted at me and people talking about that. So I, I guess I was kind of like, okay, it happened. Um, I, I think the kind of the surprising thing was that it, it wasn't D'Angelo Russell for something of value where you're starting to think like, okay, well, if they want to make the the trade to Paul George, maybe that's one of the pieces that brings Paul George to LA. It was D'Angelo Russell to get rid of a big contract. Um, so I, I thought that was kind of surprising as far as whether or not I think the Bucks should have. Um, I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to think of how they get that, how they get that done. And, I guess one of the things, the undercurrents of today has been we start off the day with the Chris Stapps Porzingis rumors, and I'm, I'm just fascinated. I wonder what you think on this is who's untouchable on this Bucks roster right now? Because for me, it's a list of one, and I don't even think it's a discussion. Yep. Like, like, it's Giannis, and anyone else can be moved for anyone like and that's not to say other guys don't have value because they absolutely do but if you are trying to add something to this roster to make this roster better to get this roster to to take that next step or maybe even take a leap you need to add talent somewhere and um it just seems like everywhere on the roster there are nice pieces but they are all upgradable, and uh, if you're really looking to become a great team, they probably need to be upgraded. Yeah, I mean, the, Giannis is, is the only untouchable for me as well, and and it's sort of those things. I mean, Chris Middleton, I think, fits so well with pretty much anybody that you know his his the interest in swapping him. You know, it, it would have to be a really compelling value. I think you know, and and it's sort of those things. It's like you know, a year ago there were the rumors about you know potentially Boston with a third overall pick potentially making a play for Chris Middleton in a weaker draft um you know this year uh, uh if it if you were offered hypothetically a top five pick for chris middleton i think you think certainly much longer and harder about it because maybe that's maybe that's your path to getting um uh, you know certainly a much higher ceiling guy than chris middleton and you know at this point i mean chris is still in his prime clearly um but he's got basically two years left here on his contract before he's going to need a, you know, he'll opt out and get, need a huge raise um and so it's a difficult decision because that would certainly i think put the step bucks a step backward in terms of their you know ability to compete for for a championship or you know whatever they're going to compete for before a championship um but i think it's at least worth considering right because you know again uh with with sort of the the arms race that we're seeing you know chris middleton is is really nice to have um but again if he's your second best player i you know i just don't think you're you're gonna win a title anytime soon with that um but yeah, and I think Jabari's in, in a kind of a just different category because I think he, he he's much more expendable in terms of like, you know, what has made the Bucks good so far. You know, I think Jabari's been a lot more peripheral to that than than Chris Middleton. Um, yeah. But you know, I think just the injury with Jabari, I think just I don't know. I just don't think you're going to get necessarily good value for Jabari this summer just because you know again as much as he's still young and maybe you know still has appeal as a guy that obviously is coming off a big scoring season and has that pedigree that people you know will will fawn over. You know, with all the uncertainty around that injury, I just don't think I, I don't know. I just assume that there's going to be too much uncertainty around trying to get value for him. But but yeah, uh, I was going to say people guy. in uh, people in their trade machine deals kept using him as like the headliner of a deal, and I, I just kept telling them I, I don't see how he can be the headliner of a deal for any team. That how you could how could you willingly take that much risk to give up something of value? And this morning, I think Porzingis was probably the thing we talked about most, but if you're a team giving up real value, 
sure you want to take a guy that has that has a high upside that has pedigree like you said a, a number two pick that's all great but you want to make sure he's healthy you want to make sure that you have some confidence that he's going to come back and he's going to be able to kind of handle his business trading for someone that's torn the same ACL twice that's a risky proposition yeah and I mean if if you're if, if Phil Jackson and, and here's the thing too I mean when that rumor about Chris Epps came out I mean part of me was thinking like well this is just everybody hating um Phil Jackson and just making him look bad by by floating the stuff out there and, and it sounded like you know there's probably some truth and some less than clear truth in in really Chris Tapp's availability. I can't imagine they would trade him short of just a monster haul. Um, but the mere fact that it's even being discussed just reiterates how horrible Phil Jackson is at his job and and you know <laughs> how much of a joke the New York Knicks are right now. But um, but yeah, I mean if you're talking about Chris Tapp's, I mean you know Jabari Thon, you know certainly this year's first pick. I don't know who else do you want. I I feel like I wouldn't want to give up Chris just because I want some guys to play with with Giannis and and Chris Dabbs. Yeah. Uh, but but I don't know. I mean, it's all just speculation, right? Like, what what would it take to actually get a guy like Chris Dabbs? I think it it would take a ton. Um, and actually, just to kind of circle back, as far as D'Angelo, I, yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I mean, you know, when I see him, I just look at a guy who doesn't really he doesn't he's not super explosive. He's not really you know he doesn't really bring a lot of power to the game like he's not like a, I mean I think when he came into the league I, I've heard some comparisons like James Harden but he's not like strong or yeah just as as sort of like just skilled and 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 you know just awesome as James Harden I guess um and and, and I don't know so I, I just kind of struggled with with D'Angelo a bit and you know um it's it's kind of interesting I mean the history of I think I think Ben mentioned is the history of um top five picks that get traded early in their careers i was trying to think about it he was asking like it doesn't seem like it's very good and i was trying to think of like great players that were traded you know after being super high draft picks normally when that happens there's usually some pretty big red flags around them whether it's you know their skill or or oftentimes their personalities and obviously with d'angelo the maturity level a lot of those things have been raised in addition to some of the kind of just fact that he just might not have sort of that that high upside or that you know that game the game to translate into being a top level NBA point guard um and I don't know I was thinking about I think what Chauncey Billups was fourth overall back in the I think 90 was 97 or something like that I think he was traded maybe his first year but I mean it took him a long time before he became the player he was and you know otherwise you think about some of the guys that have been traded very quickly and you think of like Thomas Robinson, like Drew Gooden, was traded I think oh, twice in his yeah. first like year or two. Um, you know, a lot of these guys that get traded, you know, that basically and and you know like Andrew Wiggins I realized was traded after he was picked, but obviously that was kind of a unique situation. It wasn't really anything to do with with Wiggins and sort of what they found out about him. Like we're talking about guys who you know everybody liked them. They show up. They're maybe not what you think they are, and then they get traded. And I think that's what D'Angelo obviously is at this point, especially given that they basically used him to, you know, in in, in large part dump a salary. So, um, so yeah, I'm on the one hand, it's like if if you could get him for the 17th overall pick, yeah, sure, you know, roll the dice. I mean, he's he's probably going to be a hell of a lot better than anybody you get at 17. But, um, but to to like eat the Mozgov salary, for instance. Yeah. I, I just don't think that's that's probably a, a winning move overall, and and obviously the, the the Lakers also got some value back in terms of Lopez and and another late first. So, um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm okay with it. Um, what do we want to talk about next? Do we want to talk about Dwight? I don't think nearly as many people <laughs> have been asking about whether the Bucks should have made a play for Dwight Howard. No, I have I haven't um, heard that one. Uh, only you, oh, you, I think the only one was Jeremy Schmidt. I think yeah. he was asking me about uh, whether or not the the Bucks were making that move this summer. It's kind of funny that Jeremy retired from uh, blogging about the Bucks after the Bucks did not sign Dwight Howard because it seemed like he was anticipating <laughs> that potential move in that order to justify. It's, in order it's to over. Justify. I'm done. I'm done. They signed exactly. him. It's over. Um, but no, Jeremy was not a fan of those Dwight Howard rumors that were floating around uh, a year ago, I guess. And uh, I mean, I, I referred to the Miles Plumley contract after today as, as the white elephant gift that that is NBA GM's favorite uh, thing to bring to the to, to a Christmas party. 
Um, incredibly, Miles Plumley owed $37.5 million over the next two years, has been traded for the second time in, I don't know, six months. And perhaps most amazingly, like the team trading him got like not not bad players or not bad yeah. contracts turn. I mean, or not worse contracts. Or I mean, a, Howard, a contract I found largely untradeable. Yeah. I mean, Dwight Howard is, you know, whatever. He's Dwight, right? He's still productive. He puts up numbers. He can still play. Um, what do you average? 13 and 13 last year. Um, I mean, the Hawks were terrific defensively. Uh, you have to give him some credit for that. Obviously, Paul Millsap and, and other guys on that team are part of it, too. But, I mean, Dwight Howard isn't isn't bad. He's not Miles Plumley, right? I mean, no, you're not, no. not going to look at him. This guy can't play. Um, but obviously, the personality stuff around Dwight. And, you know, weirdly, the, the Hawks, you know, punted and said, you know what? We're not going to save much money doing this trade. But they wanted to move on anyway. And they, you know, I think they, they um, you know, just basically a swap of second round picks and, I don't think they did it to because they, you know, valued Marco Bellinelli that highly. So, um, so yeah, I, I and I was joking on Twitter as well. I mean, we we talk all the time about positional scarcity in the draft and how big men, you know, do you really want to draft a big man with, you know, so many big men just being available, and just you know, basically being given away. Um, granted, a lot of them are paid a lot right now, but um, not hard to find a big man if you want one. The Bucks have been overrun by them of late, but looking at at this trade, it, not just has the the center position been devalued? I mean, granted, the you know Bucks tried to move Greg Monroe for how long? Couldn't find anybody when they give up value. Um, the Hawks didn't seem to wait long. They just took no value very quickly for for Dwight Howard. Um, but the funny thing to me is like not only are our centers being devalued, but they're basically now all worth the same thing, which is basically nothing based on if this trade tells me anything. Basically, it's like Miles Plumlee, you're like a rim running like third stringer yeah sure whatever like trade him for <laughs> Dwight Howard like eh, it doesn't matter none of, none of these guys matter anymore so um so yeah an interesting statement about you know and again uh, it's it's just one trade but but certainly you know the Hawks shopped Dwight Howard they didn't just do this because Michael Jordan picked up the phone first and certainly uh, an interesting statement about where the league is headed and um and the value of a guy specifically like Dwight obviously that that a trade like this would go down all of which kind of brings us to a guy on the Bucks roster and a decision that needs to be made in the next 24 hours. Greg Monroe, he's got to decide whether or not he wants to opt in. And as we're talking, we're saying, well, the center position isn't worth anything. All these guys uh, are losing value. All of a sudden, does three for 45 even seem anywhere near possible? To me, it doesn't. As as I'm looking across the league and all of these contracts getting moved and all these uh, centers losing value, now all of a sudden is it three for 36 and if you're going to make half of three for 36 in one year i can't imagine you're going to take that or i I can't imagine you're going to opt out excuse me to go after that i would assume you're going to take that 18 ish uh and and try to opt in right like it just doesn't seem possible that he would opt out now with this current environment well, it'll certainly be a summing of a, I guess you could say maybe it's a referendum on Greg Monroe's enthusiasm for playing for, for Jason Kidd and being, you know, presumably, obviously all expectations would be that he would be a six man again next year. And I guess the flip side of that is, you know, is not playing for Jason Kidd um, worth enough to take a big pay cut. And uh, I don't know, again, we, what we said before, is he really going to start someplace else? I, I, I don't think there's really an obvious destination for him to go and and start um i I mean i think his floor from a from a value standpoint i mean the the mid-level exception at at a little over eight million dollars that's the obvious floor since you know every team um will either have cap space or you know non-tax paying teams will have that number to play with so it's not like you know i would not expect greg monroe to go out and sign for for three million dollars or something like that unless something you know crazy happened and you went to just go sign with uh you know a contender or something if you went to the warriors or something like that right i mean maybe then he could do it but yeah um but i think certainly at this stage of his career you know he's still you know in in a position at his age where uh, at the age of 27 where you'd still expect him obviously be trying to make more money rather than less and uh yeah i would totally agree i i think reading the tea leaves here sort of the idea that that he's going to go out and find um you know a big multi-year deal that will blunt sort of the the pain of losing maybe a little bit uh next year Man, um, if he's okay playing for the Bucks, I think, he, yeah, the, the the decision probably is 
is pretty clear to just run it back one more year with the Bucks and just sort of see what happens. But uh, but I don't know. And and to be honest, I'm I'm okay with that from a Bucks perspective. I mean, we've talked a lot about how yep. keeping Greg long term is is maybe you know challenging from a cap perspective, especially if you think Jabari Parker is a piece that you're going to keep for the long term and that you're going to have to pay a lot of money to. Which I think we've both said, you know, the the quote unquote Steph Curry deal for Jabari is not you know the twelve million dollars a year that that Stephen Curry got five years Correct. ago. Um, it's probably, you know, 18 to 20 million a year. Uh, and that would be a discount versus what he could make if, you know, some random team maxed him in the summer of 2018 on a gamble. So, and, yeah, in, in comparison to the max, that looks good. But if there's no one there to give him the max, that's a ton of money. Yeah. And so I, I think it's sort of one of those things I view it as well, especially with Jabari out. You know, I think Greg. Um, Greg kind of gives you, I think, a bridge this next season where you're obviously you're, you're trying to build on what you had last year. And we know he plays well with the other guys on this roster. Um, he provides a big spark off the bench. You know, I don't think Thon's, Thon's not going to be playing 35 minutes next year. I, I'd be surprised if Thon Whew. plays more than, you know, low what a 20s. World that would be, though. Yeah, that would be that would be a world. Um, so so I, I think he's still in line to play, you know, 22 to 25 minutes yeah. per game next year. And. Um, and be a valuable piece for this team and provide a valuable role because, you know, again, with without Jabari, um, you know, you're scoring, you're, you're, you would miss you would definitely miss Greg Monroe if he left. And so I don't know if the Bucks, how the Bucks feel about that. You know, we t- talked about how John Hammond didn't they seem pretty coy on on what Greg Monroe would do. Um, John Horst has been a little more optimistic about or a little more positive, let's say. Um, but again, I, I wouldn't necessarily run read too much into that. So, um, so yeah, big decision from Greg Monroe, and amazingly, you know, we're still sitting here, um, 24 hours effectively before a decision is made, and we we're still kind of scratching our heads. And it seems like people in the organization, I don't know, it, it doesn't seem like there's really a consensus anywhere about about what he'll do next. Maybe maybe by the time you guys hear this uh, podcast, maybe there something will have leaked. But um, I think certainly the the last couple, the last day and the trades we've seen probably. Um, there, they are interesting data points, at least for for how the league is valuing centers or, or how the league is is not valuing centers. Yeah, and how I guess how funny would it be if Greg would kind of announce, okay, I'm opting in or whatever, and then rather than having any part of the news cycle, just crazy things happen and he gets overshadowed. Like that would kind of be the story of, of Monroe's career. So we'll see if that does happen uh, in the next 24 hours and as we try to kind of figure out what's going to happen next. Uh, John Horse spoke briefly after today's draft workout. Uh, one thing he did mention was he was asked uh, how Monroe opting in, opting out might affect the the draft process, the way they think about the draft, and he said it, it would not affect that at all um, and they, they would just be able to draft and kind of go through things whether or not he does opt in or opt out um, so I thought that was interesting uh, any other things you thought were interesting there um, I know I tweeted out a couple quotes and I can I can get to those but I just wanted to see uh, if there's anything you were thinking of when you saw some of that today yeah I mean and maybe we'll, I think we were gonna get into it anyway but I think uh, there was the comment kind of about guys with with high floors during the press conference and I think he kind of doubled down on that a little bit today he also appeared on uh, the big show on on 105.7 the fan uh and sparky and company asked him a little bit about that as well um and i, I don't know it was a little bit it got a little semantic um they they were <laughs> arguing about whether you take a home run swing and then it seemed like maybe you didn't want to take a home run swing but then they were talking about Giannis and thon being home runs and i, I don't know it, it was all kind of confusing i wasn't really sure where it, where it ended up but um but I think the thing that it ties into maybe is uh, John Horse has, you know, been pretty clear that he seems to have a high opinion of this roster, and he seems to talk a lot about how good his roster is, and he, you know, he seems to have been coached to talk about, you know, say the word championship at least once or twice per minute, um, and you know, again, I don't know if that means that John Horse believes that this team is, you know. I don't know. I don't know how close he thinks they are to to really being some type of contender. Um, I don't know. I mean, my my sense when listening to it is I I would probably guess they are further away than than what he's sort of saying <laughs> or what he's implying they are. Um, but a lot of that is just you know again looking at these other teams out here and you you know a lot of these trade rumors whether it's Paul George whether it's Jimmy Butler 
it's the same old super awesome teams that are being linked with those guys. And certainly, you know, the idea of, of a Boston adding, you know, one of those guys and then, or, or signing Gordon Hayward, um, all these types of moves that, that only make the league more top heavy would, uh, would, you know, let's just say make me more skeptical of sort of the bucks near term chances of, of really contending for anything specific. But, um, but it is interesting. I mean, it does seem like from what we can gather, I don't know, it seems like he's looking for a play. You know, it seems like he's not just trying to to gamble on some guy who, who might be a total bust. But as we were talking yesterday, I don't think that's really been the type of guys necessarily that they've, they've really drafted before either. No. So um, so I don't know. I kind of struggle going back and forth. I mean, I, I think the only guy in the range that really seems like a guy that you could just have complete egg on your face with it would be maybe Harry Giles, you know, and, and, and he said, uh, John Horst did say like, it doesn't necessarily need, need to be a guy who, who contributes a lot next year. Um, which is probably a good thing to say. Cause at 17, the odds of finding a guy who's actually a real NBA player are, are pretty low. You know, I think the Bucks yeah. lucked out last year with, with fun and, and Malcolm Brogdon, but, um, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, any, anything that, you, you know, we kind of talked about yesterday, anything you could really take away from that conversation. Do you, do you feel like you have any better inkling of what the Bucks will do, uh, on Thursday night based on what we've heard over the last 24 hours? Absolutely not. But <laughs> what, what you were saying there is maybe this is just the the hopeful person in me and maybe this is just the person that has been beating this drum for years and years and years but the way i've taken those comments is that john horst is very aware how capped out this team is again he's someone that uh is has been we've been told knows the bucks cap inside out and he knows that this team needs guys on rookie contracts to perform period like that there's there's no two ways about this with some of the contracts they've given out in the past couple years and with just generally how nba teams are built i think he has a clear understanding that guys on rookie contracts have to be able to play they have to be able to contribute and they have to be able to make some sort of impact on this team and uh, again we've talked about this before if that's the case then okay you're maybe allowed to over overspend for someone again you don't want to overspend but maybe in free agency you're able to overspend a little bit or you're able to have some more flexibility that you can take on a a mozgov type contract to get a talent like d'angelo russell maybe not that extreme but uh hopefully you can understand what i'm saying that i think john horse understands that rookies or I shouldn't say rookies, but guys on rookie contracts are going to be important to this team and are going to, I I mean, to me, I think those are the types of guys that unlock your championship potential. When you have guys that are vastly outperforming their contracts because they're still on their rookie deals, that's when you really find yourself being a good to great NBA team. And uh, to me, that was kind of how I took the last couple days about the talk of high floor and, and what that all means and contributors and how they fit in with the roster in the near future, um, but also long term. To me, it, it's really all been about guys on rookie contracts performing. And I would also kind of caution people too. I think, I think when you're good, you're good in the NBA to some extent. Like the the idea that you're going to draft a guy who is going to be this awesome player, but because he's young or raw, he's going to be total garbage for two or three years, and he's going to be buried in the D League. Like that, that's not how great players sort of evolve, right? And, and we know with Giannis. I mean, Giannis is a great example, right? A guy that came in raw and young and inexperienced et cetera, et cetera. but you could tell from Giannis as a rookie you know he he could play at the NBA level he may not have been like an above average really good contributor to winning as a rookie but the dude could play and by his second year he was a legit you know NBA starter and yep. I think with good players it doesn't take long right and and again you're not you know we're talking about a superstar in Giannis and, and his development site you know is, is not normally you know typical but you know, the idea that you're going to draft a guy and, you know, the the intended expectation is that he's going to be in the D-League for two years, but he's still going to end up being this really, really good rotation nope. player. That, that's really, yeah, that's really not what nope. happens. I mean, and, and Thon's another good example, right? I mean, a guy that came from playing high school basketball, had not played against high-level experience. Um, you know, it took him a little while, 
right? He was not, the first time we saw him on an NBA court, he did not look like a guy who's going to be starting at center <laughs> in the NBA playoffs, but um, he figured it out pretty quick. And obviously you hope that that, uh, that development, sort of that, that arc continues. And, um, you know, I think think we'll see how, how it goes. But, you know, on the flip side, too, a lot of the guys, you know, like that's kind of the dirty secret, too. I mean, Draymond Green was a senior, played four years, is now a tremendous player. Was he really NBA ready when he came out? No, he was trash as a rookie. Yeah. He was a horrible rookie. He was really, you know, surprisingly bad for a guy that eventually became as good as he is. And he was a really experienced player coming out of college. So I, I think... You know, I understand that, you know, in general, obviously, young guys are, are going to have a little bit more of a developmental curve, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, again, I, I'd caution people. I mean, if a guy, if a young guy comes out um, and he's awesome, and usually when guys come out early, it's because they're better than guys who stay four years. Um, you know, drafting a four-year player isn't some guarantee that the guy's going to be able to play as a rookie. You know, Brogdon, I think, is, is a bit of an outlier in that regard, right? I mean, he's might become what the first rookie second round pick ever to win rookie of the year or something like yeah. that i mean he is not a normal situation that he kind of fits that stereotype but i think in in so many cases that's um that's just not how these things tend to go so um so yeah if you're good you're probably gonna be pretty good pretty pretty <laughs> soon and, and you're probably gonna figure out and that also ties i think back into you know why a team like the lakers probably was willing to trade d'angelo russell because they probably felt like you know what if we felt this like this guy was gonna be a real star then then we would have had that sense kind of quicker. And it's not to say that he hasn't been, you know, um, at least moderately productive and shown, you know, flashes of, of being a pretty good NBA basketball player. But, um, you know, these teams know a lot more than we do, right? They see these teams, they see the work effort, uh, they see other guys in the locker room. And obviously, uh, the Lakers were willing to, to move on. And uh, I guess we'll see if that's, uh, if that's comes back to bite them. But on the flip side, I also like the move for, for the Nets, you know, rolling dice, given given how little they have. And I think they're actually becoming a pretty interesting roster pretty quickly. Other stuff from Horse today. Uh, he dropped an I Trust the Process. I enjoyed that. Um, just just because of everything that occurred on Monday, um, everything with uh, the results over process stuff, like it, to me it was just funny. And again, uh, there's a lot of buzzwordy stuff in here. There's a lot of the the cliche stuff you'd mentioned before. There's a lot of talk of championship and stuff like that. Uh, but it, it was it was interesting to hear that. And uh, in that same kind of spot, mentioning. I will make the pick, and I'll live by that decision. I'll be convicted in that decision. Um, that, to me, was was pretty strong. He de- he does go on to say, uh, but it's not a pick on my own. I've got a staff that supports me and all that. But I thought those were three strong sentences that I will make the pick, and I will, I'll live by that decision. I'll be convicted in that decision. Like That, that to me, sounded like uh, someone strong and ready to go and ready to know that uh, this is this is on you. These these are your decisions. Um, so I thought that was interesting. And then uh, the other one uh, that I thought was interesting as well was um, just kind of the the idea that I, I asked about: Is it difficult since you're at 17? And we'll talk a little bit more about what's around 17 and some of the guys that the Bucks have brought through in a little in a little bit here, but I asked if there's any concern that, okay, there's so many bigs in this area and your team already has a plethora of bigs. Is that concerning? And he said, I don't think we're going to make our draft decision based on our roster as it currently stands. This is a long-term play to draft someone that can fit with this team long-term. And I do think that's kind of the, that's the opinion I've always had. I, I, I know time and time again I mentioned you don't really know what the NBA is going to look like in three years. And, the, I mean, apparently this offseason you don't know what the NBA is going to look like in three hours. Um, but it does change very quickly, and you want to have those guys that you feel are versatile, that uh, can fit a number of different systems, that can take care of their business. Uh, so I, I thought those are two other interesting things. Anything else there, Frank, before we move on to uh, kind of taking a hopefully doing a bit of a draft preview here for Bucks fans. Well, I guess dovetailing with that, the, I think there, and I forget where all these comments were said by John horse, but kind of a couple of allusions to, you know, workouts and how important workouts are. And I think there was 
one quote that was going around where he said, you know, it was it was and again, I'm not quoting it exactly, but sort of less likely that they would pick a guy that they didn't work out. Um, I think he said, you know, certainly not impossible. Uh, and then here I got it. Uh, So I started a question and asked if if he believed that the process went any differently for them because of the GM search, if maybe there was some guys that didn't come in uh, because of any uncertainty with the GM position, and he said, no, absolutely not. Uh, that That's not something uh, that we're worried about. Uh, and Matt Velasquez followed up on that one uh, and asked, okay, well, if that is the case, is there, would there be some concern over drafting someone who didn't work out here because there are some guys in that area that that have not worked out here and he said i guess to some effect that it would be uh, a little bit more difficult to try to bring someone in that didn't work out with us that that might not be something uh that we'd be able to do um but to me again i don't think that means if one of the top 12 guys that we've talked about uh with cole zwicker that we've talked about recently if one of those 12 guys falls I don't think they're going to have any problem getting that, taking that guy and feeling comfortable with that pick. Um, maybe if there's some tweeners in there and they're trying to decide between a number of the guys that we feel are probably in the 15 to 25 range. Uh, yeah. I could see in that situation, maybe feeling a little bit better about drafting a guy that you do have more experience with that. You did have a chance to work out with uh, in your facility. Yeah, and I think part of it too is is you know medical stuff too. Like if you, for some reason, couldn't get medicals on a guy, and a lot of that happens at the combine as well. But if for some reason a guy you couldn't get medical stuff at the combine, and then the guy doesn't work out for you, and if there's some kind of concerns there, you know that would be a good example of where you might see a guy not get picked despite being maybe a bigger name, um, because if there is some sort of red flag concern, um, that could be something that that makes a team pass on a guy that you might otherwise expect to get picked earlier. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, and, and again, does is this really that atypical? I don't think it's really that atypical. I mean, teams always have a bias towards guys that they, you know, have have the, have their arms around in in terms of having interviewed, having a sense of who they are. And it's really not that much about like whether you got to see them, you know, run around some cones or you know do shooting drills in your in your practice facility. That's probably not really that important. It's more you know having to have a chance to interview the guy extensively, get a sense of who he is do the full battery of, you know, psychological testing and all the, you know, stuff that the Bucks put their their prospects through. Um, and in, in case people are wondering, so, you know, if we want to talk about, like, well, who have the Bucks worked out? Um, there is a, uh, I've tweeted this out before, and I found it on Real GM. I think, um, I think Matt Evans on Twitter, Matt, uh, I think your, your screen name is, like, Melancer46 or something like that. Um, I think Matt put it together, if I understand correctly. Um, and if not, then congratulations, Matt. I just gave you, um, I just gave you credit for something you didn't deserve, but I think Matt did cause, um, he retweeted my, my tweet of that, that list and said, I always knew I'd make my mark on this world. So he's either really confused me or, or he put this together, but whoever put it together, Matt or otherwise, um, here's the list of names that, that are sort of like in that first round project. And so Donovan Mitchell and Justin Jackson, uh, the two guys we discussed yesterday, Mitchell, um, Interestingly, the highest projected guy who, who did work out, um, not likely to be available in the Bucks pick. Uh, and then uh, moving on down from there, Jarrett Allen, uh, TJ Leaf, Bam Adebayo, uh, and getting into some of the maybe more marginal first-round guys, Ivan Rabb, uh, Tyler Lydon, uh, Tony Bradley from UNC, uh, Derek White from Colorado. Um, it's kind of some marginal, more marginal guys there. Uh, and I, I believe, and he's got Harry Giles on the list as well. Um, you know, part of this as well is a little bit of a asterisk because like they went and saw Harry Giles at the, um, Excel sports, um, event. And so there were a bunch of events like this, uh, and this kind of happened out actually sort of right after the Hammond departure, there were a number of, um, events for, uh, you know, a lot of these agencies like CAA tandem and a lot of, I think, um, Aaron Goodwin might have had one too, but you know, basically a lot of these these uh, these these agencies put on pro days where you know all the GMs and and talent evaluators come out to usually somewhere in LA and uh, and watch these guys play. So, you know, Harry Giles did not come here uh, to work out. Uh, not sure what that means, um, but the Bucks would have gotten a look at them. He was at the combine, um, so so we will see if um, you know. Certainly, I guess you would say it's more likely than not that 
that the Bucks will pick someone from from that list. But as you said, if they trade up or back, um, obviously then then that might change. But uh, but that at least gives us some names, and I guess some names not in there uh, that you might have expected. Um, I know Ike Anabogu was or Ek is it Ek or Ike? I've, I've been hearing Ek. Yeah, I've heard people say Ek, and it seems like you would only say Ek if you knew something about it. You know, like I don't yeah. know who would look you would at just that guess and say, and be like, "Yep, that's Ek." Yeah, um, Ike Anabogu. I know there was a report of him coming into Milwaukee. I think there was that the thought that he was going to work out the same day as Jared Allen, and then it didn't happen. So not sure if that means something, but you know, seems the Bucks did maybe come close to working him out. So maybe the Bucks do have interest in him. Um, he's not on there. Uh, Justin Patton, another big guy uh, who's been mentioned. He's not on there. Um, you know, Terrence Ferguson's another guy that we've heard uh, discussed. Uh, did not come to Milwaukee. Um, our our mock draft guy, Jawan Evans, uh, who who may be a mid second rounder for all we know, uh, he was not <laughs> on the list. Um, I don't know anybody else you can think of that that you would have thought would be a guy the Bucks would uh, would target that that did not get uh, a workout in Milwaukee. Um, maybe Terrence Ferguson, uh, just because that's one of those, one of those guys that's just interesting. And I I feel like he'd be someone that you'd want to see for yourself. Um, and again, we don't exactly know what pro days the Bucks went to, what agency days, where else they might've seen some of these players. So maybe they did see him at some point, but, uh, with him, that just feels like a guy that, hasn't spent a bunch of time in America playing. So uh, though you may feel confident in your high school evaluations of him, um, there there has been some changes in that player in, in the last year or so. So um, maybe that was sort of surprising to me. Um, maybe Semi Ojale. Um, I, I'm not sure where he goes in this draft, and I've seen him mocked a number of different places. I don't know if he's actually in their area. Um, that sort of surprised me. Um, and then as I go up the list, I would have thought John Collins or Luke Kennard. Um, maybe those two have solidified themselves as lottery guys in the last little while. Um, but I, I would have thought those two guys, because to me – as we've talked about Collins with the shorter arms and Luke Kennard being well a, a white guy from Duke like those two seem like guys that on draft night could possibly fall um so uh, maybe a little bit surprised but again if you're a guy that thinks you're going in the lottery I think there's a lot of times where you say, no, I'm not going to work out for any of those teams lower. I'm just going to work out for lottery teams and I'm going to try to get uh, the teams even higher in the lottery to take a look at me yeah, and that's what made the Mitchell workout so weird to me. Um, is he just seems like he's a unanimous guy projected in the lottery. So for him to be working out um, for he the did Bucks, say, He did say he's had a bunch of workouts, though, and he was like, and, you know, he's like, I started this whole process at, uh, at the start of the year as, uh, you know, as a, as a second-round guy. So for me to – turn someone down or not come to work out like well i don't know where i'm going to be i don't know how this process all sorts out so um it sounded like he had had a pretty big range of of teams from i think somewhere around seven to nine to down to like 19 or 20 so he, he had been some places yeah another guy um og ananobi um uh, currently projected at number 20 in the dx mock um which is lower than than a lot of people would have thought uh, another guy that I think certainly you would probably have wanted to get uh, get in to to see your medical staff, just given uh, he's coming off an ACL tear. Uh, his name has been floated as a guy who might potentially slip. He is in the green room list of invites, and interestingly, the the top twenty on DX's draft board are all uh, in the top twenty or in the, the the list of twenty names that will be in the green room uh, on Thursday night. So that's interesting, and that's obviously that 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 comes from uh, canvassing NBA GMs. It's not to say it is a foolproof way to predict who will be a top pick because Deontay Davis and Scalabissier last year um, lasted until the late 20s slash early 30s before Man, they went. Team which Deontay. Was, oh. Ooh, it was it was rough. Um, so, but but you know, always kind of an interesting um, an interesting thing to look at um, as far as uh, as far as what that was. And it's always funny anytime we talk about um, you know getting guys in for workouts. 
I swear, I remember, I, I, I think if you go back in 2008, I swear to God, I think the only guys that the Bucks that the Bucks worked out that were like anywhere close to to what was considered their range where they were that was when they were picking number eight and they ended up with Joe Alexander. They brought in and I think it was all in the same workout. They brought in Joe Alexander, Dante Green, remember him, former Syracuse freshman. You know, went to the Kings and Rock. I think he went to the Rockets, scored like forty points in his first um, in his first summer league game, and then they got traded to the Kings. Yep, which Daryl Morey just crushed it because Dante Green never really amounted to anything um and then anthony randolph um who speaking of summer league was maybe one of the greatest summer league <laughs> summer, summer league MVP. ever yeah he might be the summer um, league goat to be if we're yeah. being totally honest about this <laughs> him and nate robinson um but but yeah those th- those few guys worked out basically in the same day and luke bamute was also there and I-, I swear to god i don't know if the bucks worked out anybody else that was really even like a top 20 type type guy and uh, and and so that that always kind of made me laugh because then in subsequent years they've had you know many many more guys brought in um, to work out and and so you know I don't know I don't know this year I think they have maybe a little bit you know fewer guys than than normal as far as uh, potential first round picks but you know a lot going on there what you know and and obviously it's very possible it's very possible that the the GM search and and you know the fact that you know Justin Zanuck was running around having to interview for, for his job. Um, I don't know. That doesn't probably help draft preparations. Can't imagine it does. So it, maybe, you know, again, they had a bunch of agency days and things like that in that period where the Bucks didn't work anybody out. But um, it's still, I mean, it was roughly like a two-week period. Um, and, and Yeah, I was going to say, I yeah. think the, the agency day pro day, like as far as I remember, as long as I've been covering it, that's like a 10-ish day stretch um, where you're going to miss most of one week and then part of another um, and we saw that kind of was the case um, this past year where all of a sudden some teams were back on, I think it was like a Thursday, starting to work guys out. Or maybe it was the opposite way. Like It was like a Tuesday or Wednesday, and the Bucks still hadn't, and it went into kind of that third week. And, yeah, I, I, I would not be surprised if, if there was some names that they should have been able to get that they didn't get and had some guys that thought, you know what, like, it's all too messy right now. I'm, I'm just not going to come to that workout. My, my time can be spent better um, at a different place. So that would not shock me at all. Yeah, for the record, Thon Maker interviewed last year or worked out last year on uh, June 15th. Um, and it looks like last year, I'm just looking at the, you know, the Bucks Bucks website where they catalog for each draft year who, who works out. It looks like they went from June 2nd to June 14th, I think, without any workouts. That sounds um, right. So, yeah, that kind of speaks to like an 11, 12 day gap between uh, between workouts when those agency days were happening. So just for for reference, um, anything else you can think of draft prep, anything you're, that's on your mind right now? We'll have one more bite at the apple here. Um, on uh, on Wednesday night, I guess, uh, in case people are wondering, if you haven't already checked, uh, Draft Express does have the Bucks going with Jarrett Allen uh, from the University of Texas uh, at 17 uh, and has the Bucks taking him over Bam Adebayo at 18, TJ Leaf 19, Anunobi 20, Anubogu 21, and the list goes on. Um, and, yeah, I don't know if that's... Um, I don't know if that's... that's says a whole lot but that is that is one data point at least for for us to consider okay so here's something for you uh there's been a lot of craziness um as as we've kind of documented and when we talked with cole i listed 12 guys that i felt like were the top 12 and he agreed there and that's fultz ball jackson tatum fox isaac markinen monk smith uh Zach Collins, excuse me, Donovan Mitchell, and Frank Nilakina. Do you think any of those 12 fall out of the top 15? Um, I, I think if anyone did, maybe it could be Collins. Um, I, I mean, I like Collins as a prospect, but I don't know. I think when in doubt, if you think somebody might drop, pick the big guy, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> pick the pick the non-superstar ceiling big guy and um, – Collins seems like one of those guys who's does a lot of things well. I don't know if he's you know does anything well enough to be like a real star type player, but um, but I don't know. Maybe he could could be a guy that drops, and certainly I don't think he'll drop to the Bucks. But 
Um, I think if he did drop the Bucks, I mean, I, I would roll the dice on a guy like that, even even yeah. with uh, everything we've said about the Bucks' big man glut and uh, the devaluation of uh, of big men as a currency in the NBA. All right, I, I would allow that. I was just trying to think of. Uh, one, I think it's going to be total insanity in the NBA as a whole for the next 24 to 48 hours. But I'm just trying to figure out if that insanity also stretches over to the draft um, and, and how that kind of all might work. But, uh, man, I just I guess I'm, I'm probably continuing to dream of ways for the Bucks to get one of those 12 talents. And I cannot think of a good way uh, for the, I shouldn't say good way, but a, a plausible way for that to happen. Yeah, dream the impossible dream. If if John Horst uh, wants to win over Bucks fans, if he can find a way to uh, to get into the top twelve without giving up really a a, a major asset, I think uh, I think he will he will have quickly won over uh, large portions of Bucks Nation. But um, I guess we'll we'll cross our fingers. We certainly have not seen a move like that in in, in any time recently. Not in your lifetime as a Bucks fan. No. Um, but uh, but we'll we'll see if uh, we'll see if the youngster can can pull around his hat on Thursday night. All right, Frank. I think that's going to be it for us for today. Like Frank said, we're probably going to go every day right up until the draft, um, and then obviously once the draft happens on Friday, we'll have uh, two draft picks to talk about, or maybe three draft picks, or maybe one pet draft pick or zero draft picks because the Bucks made some insane trades. Um, so we'll see with all that but uh yeah this this week will kind of be in the swing of things and then i would assume probably something similar for next week um as we attempt to figure out uh what could happen in free agency we we should have a decision on greg monroe by that point and we should have a better idea of what the bucks cap looks like and uh we should have just a better idea of an overall picture of the nba so uh you have a lot to look forward to in the next couple weeks here with lockdown bucks For Frank Madden, this has been Eric Name. We will talk to you tomorrow. Fall has arrived at JCPenney, the perfect time to refresh your home. From now until Sunday, get up to 50% off select comforter sets, furniture, and the most comfortable mattresses from top brands like Tempur-Pedic, Sealy, Beautyrest, and more. And save 50 to 60% on select sheet sets, plus an extra 15% with your coupon on select home items. Hurry and soon. That's getting your pennies worth. JCPenney. Coupon valid 928-109 on select home items, furniture, and mattresses. Price is valid 928-101. Selections vary by store while supplies last. Fitting on regular and original prices. Intermediate markdowns may have been taken. Some exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details.